listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, I told you, had a special guest stop by the, the offices this week. And I said, let's, let's bring you in the show. And uh, former Husker legend and NFL great Jay Foreman uh, joining us here in studio on the Husker Online Show. Jay, uh, what are you up to these days, man? How's retirement treating you? It's pretty good. You know, it's uh, it's real good when it's 40 degrees out in, in, in January, so I can't complain. Um, so, you know, we're on the second half of my youth basketball team, uh, the Runner Rebels. You know, that was my favorite team growing up. So, uh, Boys know, or girls? Boys. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, sixth graders. So, uh, well, it depends on the day. Sometimes they act like second graders. and uh, But, they're you know, they're a bunch of good kids, good parents. And so I'm doing that and, uh, you know, do a lot of public speaking and uh, going to come out with my own uh, personal podcast. Uh, the Iron Will podcast, so it will cover you know a lot of stuff. But you know, obviously, keeping a close eye on Husker football, especially since Scott's been around. But then also, uh, you know, every after every bowl season, I like to evaluate where we are and see how close or how far. And so, it's going to be pretty interesting the next uh, year or two where Nebraska can go. Yeah, let's just delve right into it. Um, you know, when when you look at some of the stuff going on, I mean, one coaching change has been made. Uh, Javon DeWitt has moved on and. I mean, you can say or look at it however you want, but I, you know, I think it really just wasn't working one sure. way or the other. And and you know, maybe it was Javon's call, maybe it was Scott's call, maybe it was mutual. Who knows how it all went down? But um, I, I think most would agree that was you know those two areas he was involved when in had had not produced the, the last couple of years. Yeah, and and it's hard because you know for him, it, some when there's change, everybody thinks oh he was a horrible coach. That's necessarily not not the case. It's not like he can't coach or hasn't coached good players before I mean he just came from an undefeated you know team you know that was a quote-unquote national champion two years ago it's just look to his defense you know he didn't have a lot of established players at outside linebacker they they had to cleanse the 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 roster of I guess of the cancerous guys or guys that just didn't fit their eye and then that hurts your depth special teams is correlated to your depth that's what it is. It's, it's the guys that aren't starting or going to be eventually starting in a year or two. It deals with team, team speed. It's It's been on, you know, whether it's on, you know, TV, radio, podcast, how much they had to do just to get the team up to Big Ten standard, standard physically. So that hurts your special teams. And then outside linebacker, when you're playing a true freshman, Garrett Nelson, um, you got Caleb Tanner, who is you know all potential, and and, and, and you had guys like Tyron Ferguson selling Ty- real estate during the season. Who knows what he was doing? It was either real estate, energy drinks, but the last thing that was on his priority list was football. So those three guys, and they really were depending on him. And, and it was Alex a, Davis, obviously. Yeah, and Alex Davis, who to his defense has played it seems like eighty five different positions on top of not having a lot of football in his background in the first place. Remember, he was a basketball player, so. Uh, you don't have anything, anybody established. It's not like you just came into Wisconsin where you have a tradition, you have two or three guys waiting to go and play that had good coaching before. So to his defense, it just was a bad marriage per se. And guess what? A lot of divorces don't end well. He's in a great spot with a great situation with Mac Brown down there in North Carolina. We're going to hire a good coach you know, to replace him and you know, move on from there. And that's the way it is. There's Either way you look at it, it worked out a good way. It's not like he's sitting out for four years and hadn't coached. Yeah, I think a lot of fans, they, they want it to be like it used to be at Nebraska where guys would stay 20, 25 years. But when you look at college football now, it just seems like the norm is maybe one or two of your 10 
almost every year you're going to just get a turnover spot out of one or two of your ten guys. Well, you as a head coach, that's what you want. If I'm a head coach, say like, oh, so for me, I'm a, I have a defensive background. So whoever I'm grooming as my defensive coordinator, I would hope and assume that I've taught him enough, pushed him enough that he wants to go and be a head coach himself, and then he's kind of paid it forward. So maybe the linebacker coach or D line coach is the next defensive coordinator or say like you had a GA that went somewhere and cut his teeth right but started out with me he can come back and be a position coach or if he really blew up he'd be the defensive coordinator you want your coaching tree to be everywhere and and that's ideally way I view good coaches and good coaching trees so whether he went you know whether it was suggested or he knew that the writing was on the wall or kind of felt like he needed another situation at the end of the day he has Nebraska ties and blood and with Scott and stuff like that, so he's off in a better spot, and we're going to hire whoever they're going to decide to hire, and it's going to be pretty good. All right, I'm going to throw a couple true and false questions at you here. True or false, Adrian Martinez will start more than six of the 12 regular season <laughs> games at quarterback next year. Ooh, I'm going to say true. I think that he's – I think some guys come and they're just not used to the physicality of football. I think his body is going to mature. Um, I'd like to see him a lot more leaner, same weight, you know, same weight size, uh, a lot more leaner. That'll let me know he's going to be, his body can withstand it. I think he's going to um, start more than six. I think he has to start more than six. And so that's why it's definitely true. Your boy from Minnesota, Bryce Benhart, will step in and start at right tackle. And Matt Farniak will slide inside to guard. That's a great combination. I think when you get a big long tackle with a kind of a bruiser kind of a thicker guy inside that's what they want to do that's the way that if you look at their offensive line and, and the blocking schemes that they like to do that's the perfect style you know where you have a more linear guy outside longer big thicker guys in there so they can move you at the point of attack and hit those cutback lanes so I, hopefully I think that's going to be a good combination what about inside linebacker I guess it's not a true or false question but do you see that's your bread and butter spot right. do you see a Keyshawn Green um, do you see one of these Juco guys like Magua um, yeah. coming in and, and, and shaking it up? I definitely think they're they're probably chomping at the bit to get here as soon as, as they can if they're not already here. I think Magua, when you look at his junior college tape, I look at closing speed. I look at his change of direction, and when he decides to go somewhere, how fast he can go there. His is way better than anybody else that they recruited this year. The pressure is going to be on because there's no established guy there. Um, so coming in, they might not come in and start, but they're going to come in and push for immediate play in time. And then the, the cream will rise to the top when they get out there on Saturday afternoons. But I look for the two, you know, green Magua. Um, I look for Heinrich, if he can stay healthy, he's kind of like that asterisk, you know, if he can stay healthy and build his body up, I think that he could be an inside outside guy combination splash player that they sorely or surely need because that's what they what made their defense somewhat respectable down in Central Florida. What about Reimer, Luke Reimer? I like him. He's consistent. I think he surprised a lot of people. Um, I think we're not in a position to, you know, hitch our wagon to guys that are in scholarships or they're from California or Florida. Look, you can be from Podunk, Nebraska, or middle of nowhere, Minnesota. If you can play football at this level, you got to play them. Looking at just another position, outside linebacker, I mean, that, that to me, when you look at Nebraska transitioning into a 3-4 defense, that has been the one position that they just have not found the right guys, even defensive ends to an extent. Sure. The Davis Twins really weren't 3-4 DNs. They've had to do it the last two or three seasons. 
how far away is it realistically from Nebraska getting the right kind of DNs and the right kind of outside linebackers to play the 3-4 at a high level? Well, I think with, with the guys they had last year that they came in, they either redshirted, what you think about uh, Green that came in as a Juco, uh, I think it was a Ty Robinson, uh, I think he was decent. Uh, and then I think when you have the holdovers, I think they, their defensive line depth is better, you know, as far as like, you know, your first and second unit. So I think they're, they're closer in nose and the defense. I call it defensive tackles. Now, outside linebacker, I think they're way off. I think Garrett Nelson is, needs a lot of work. You know, he needs to, you know, he needs, his hands and feet don't match up together. Caleb Tanner, it's just more upstairs whether he can decide to really because he had that one play where it was Colorado where he right. just came off the edge. He came like, off the edge, and it was like – it was so natural, but he has to work at it. His, it's not physical with him. He, he's a guy that you're mad at. You know what I mean? When he, he, when he walks around every day, he has everything that you need. He has the size. He has the length. He has the speed. And so now it's up to mental. Can he really fall in love with the little nuances to be a really good player? Um, and then you have uh, JoJo Doman who – is excellent on the outside, but doesn't have the the physical stature for it. In my opinion, I would move him inside to a weak inside linebacker, and then he'd be my third down dime linebacker uh, because that takes his playmaking ability from one side of the field to the middle of the field on you know say first and second down, third down. I think that he would do a better job covering tight ends and running backs versus slot receivers. So I think that hopefully would be an option. But outside linebacker, we are. Very, very far off, and that's why you saw a little bit more four three. Um, you know, Ben Stilley. Uh, I think you know because he's was, really not a true three four D N E. No, he's a pumped up four four three defensive end. And his best year was when he was a four three defensive end. He was very, very effective. You thought that he was going to extend and be a really good player. Added some weight. I think his body and and he hasn't got used to it yet. It's affected his stamina because he was an effort player more than an athletic player. Um, if they ever really decided to not shell the 3-4, but really hone in on that 4-3, I think that even with the amount of inside linebackers slash outside linebackers or, or wills, or even you could take your outside linebackers and play them like more of an old school Sam, that would be an easier, you'd see a big up uptrend or up spike in their defensive stats, in my opinion. All right, you got a couple of Minnesota questions for you since you are <laughs> our, our native Minnesota in here. Uh, Gophers, was that yeah. a one year deal or do you think PJ Flex got the thing going the right way? It's, Eleven wins. I know. I was every week I was thinking like this is gonna be the week that you're not gonna play well or lose and they've actually played better. I think it's if I had to bet more it's probably more towards a one year thing. Are I they more like eight and four? They're more like a consistent Seven and five, eight and four, nine and three type of program, but that's fun. from by Minnesota standards, the stuff that they have to deal with inside their athletic department. That's a great season. It's kind of really Glenn Mason built that to where he's at now. Where, where this year that PJ Fleck had, that's what Glenn Mason was doing year in and year out. You know, and then developing pro type of players and stuff like that, getting guys and developing them. I think that's where he's going to get the program. But I think PJ Fleck has really brought a lot of confidence to that program. You got to give him a ton of respect. He's he's done it. He's talked it, and and it's funny how you look at the first three games where they were barely winning when they they didn't even rush for a hundred yards in those lower level games. Right, and they were they should have lost to South Dakota State and uh, Fresno State and Fresno State. and Georgia Southern. And then when you win a couple of those games, and then how his message was maybe heard but not listened to, and say those first three weeks, then you win a couple of those games. I can guarantee you that 
there's no way that you could tell me or that he wouldn't even tell you our preparation and everything didn't take an upswing after the winning those close games. So winning breeds confidence, then it's going to increase your work habits, and then also it's going to allow you to coach easier as well. And will we see the Vikings uh, another week, or is this going to be – I mean, San Francisco, uh, right, they're the 49ers? Right. I think it's a good matchup because San Francisco is a really, really good team. They're a physical team. I think uh, the Vikings are a defensive team versus an offensive team. So it, it's they're not going to run over the Vikings like they did Green Bay, you know, on Sunday night a few few weeks ago. Um, I think that if you compare the quarterbacks the way that they're playing right now, I'd probably say Kirk Cousins has been more consistent than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I think Dalvin Cook is the is the X factor. If he can stay healthy, with the, he makes that offensive line look two times better than they actually are. So I like the Vikings. I think that they travel. I, I think Mike Zimmer is the type of guy that he has his team so they're they're so mentally tough everywhere besides the quarterback position that doesn't matter where they play they're going to play the and same. That's I, I was actually just in San Francisco for their game when they lost to the Falcons and that's not a daunting no atmosphere. No, it's not and they have a lot of injuries to the best part of their team which is defensive line. They've had three guys go on injury reserve so they they used to kill kill teams with depth, right? They keep bringing pass rushers. Now you see even if you watch you see Bosa now he has a big wrap on his ankle. So he's not as effective. Uh, D Ford, you know, he's D Ford, you know, and for you Kansas City fans, obviously, you know, he's just D Ford. So you, you you see they have some chinks in the armor. Safety position, they have two of their better safeties on injured reserve. So that plays right into the Vikings' hands, whether it's Thielen or Diggs or they're both tight ends going against their safeties. That's a mismatch for them. So I don't I don't think that the Vikings are getting on that plane, not expecting to win. If they don't turn over the ball and don't give up big plays, they have to double-team George Kittle. They'll win the game. So do you have to be a Texans fan still, too, though, with all the great years? Are you, are you kind of a co-Texans, co-Vikings fan right now? Well, if the family – I'm a Vikings fan. It just because I mean, you were born purple. Born, born, born purple. I'm, look, the Texans played Buffalo last week, you know, so I was going for both teams. Uh, I was really happy to see that the, the, the Texans win. I would have liked to see Buffalo win another playoff game, but – I think long-term the Texans have that X factor. Deshaun Watson is one of those guys that can play. You know, the team could be down 18 points in the fourth quarter and he can bring them back. He is just that good. Um, And so I like the Texans. I think that the thing that hurts them, their defense isn't as stout as it was before. Um, You know, I think J.J. Watt's getting a little bit long in the tooth. Obviously hurt. And and then their defensive backs aren't as good this year as it usually has been. But um, I think when you have Deshaun Watson, he makes everybody look that much better. Well, Jay, I appreciate you coming in and uh, joining us in here today and enjoy the football this weekend. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And I look forward to, uh, you know, February coming for the secondary signing date. Yeah, no problem. Hey, well, uh, much more to come here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.